Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Good morning. Hey, great to see everybody this morning. If you're finding your seats, welcome to Life West. Man, we're starting a new series this morning on marriage relationships, and I'm excited. And I want to—I just want to start off with a funny story-ish of sorts. So, so this this couple goes to the hospital, and husband's getting checked out, and afterwards the doctor the doctor comes out. And, and says to the woman, says, says could, you, could you come with me? And so she goes into the office and he says, uh, um, now, as, as I'm, I'm sure you already knew, but your husband is, is not well. And she's like, okay. And he's like, um, he's doing, he's, he's really not good. Um, and unless you do what I, uh, unless we address this immediately, he's, he's going to die. And she's like, what in the world? And he's like, so this is what it is. Like, he has a very rare disease combined with an enormous amount of stress. So this is what your husband needs. When you take him home, he's like, starting tomorrow morning, when he wakes up, breakfast should be ready. You are, you, you're just, we're just going to remove all the stress from his life. Breakfast is going to be ready. You're going to be sweet. You're going to be kind. You say, hey, when he leaves for work, he's, he's gone. And, and again, we're talking about the stress. So don't call or text him while he's at work, because that would combine the stress of home with the stress of work. He's like, don't do it. And then when he gets home, when he gets home, um, you should be prepared for him coming home. Have the house be a peaceful place, clean, ready when he gets there. She's like, oh, oh okay. And he's like, now, and, and, and dinner, dinner should be small. He should have small portions. He goes, but what he needs is he needs, he needs a routine. So it should be at the same time every day. Dinner should be at the same time every day. And then a great distressor is lovemaking. So three or four times a week, three or four times a week. And if not, you can substitute like a half an hour massage. But he needs to be totally relaxed before he goes back to bed. And the doctor said, and the good news is, is if you do this, he can live another 15 or 20 happy years. And he, she looks, she goes, is that it? He says, yes. So she's thinking about all this as she leaves and looks at her husband. They get in the car and they're on the way home and her husband looks over, looks over at her and says, well, what, what did the doctor say? And she just looked over at him and she goes, the doctor said, you're going to die. <laughs> now it's funny, but it's not funny, but it's funny because you're like, oh. But I want you to think about that. And, and don't raise your hand, but if I was to ask, who wants a great marriage? Like, who wants a love-filled, amazing, happy, joyful marriage? I think every hand would probably, like I said not to, so don't, but like, I think every hand would be like, yeah, I want that. Single people are like, well, if I'm going to get married, like, yes, absolutely. But I think a better question, a better question than who wants a great love-filled marriage would be, are you willing to do what it takes to have a great love-filled marriage? Because can I say, a great marriage isn't something that you find, it's something that you build. It's not something that if you marry the right person at the right time and get the right minister and wear the right dress and the right that and you move into the right neighborhood and the right house and the right job and right... <laughs> 
shows up. That's not what it is. That's not what it is at all. And again, the better question is, are you willing to do what it takes to make it great? Because here's the thing. I think very often, very often, it's the things that we don't want to do that give us the results or the outcomes that we want. It's the things that we don't want to do. Like, I don't want to go exercise. I don't want to wake up early. I don't want to go for a run. And I can think of a thousand reasons why I shouldn't. But I, like, I want the energy. I want the health that it brings. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to wake up in the morning and run on muddy roads and turn the other way where there's cars and people and the dog that barked. Like, I don't want, but I want, I, but I want that body. I, I want what's on that other side. It's, it's so often, it's the things that we don't want to do that give us the very things that we need or that we really, we desire. Um, the girls, this happened so many times when the girls were younger. Um, Molly and Avery, uh, they, they shared a room. And, and when you put kids to bed, it's like murdering them. That's what they think. You tell them to go to bed, they're like, no! And they just melt down. And you're like, I'll see you in the morning. No, I can't! I don't want them! That was my kids. Maybe yours are like, oh, sleep is wonderful. We didn't have that, okay? Not at all. Every, every night, I'm murdering my kids over and over by telling them to go to bed. So we tell the kids to go to bed. The girls, it's like, hey, you guys need to go to bed. They're always finding a reason to not sleep, right? Like, I gotta go to the bathroom again. And you're like, no, you don't. I, I need water. I spilled my water. I spilled it on my, Avery did this. Molly said that. And you're like, oh my, go to sleep. Well, about too many times, Avery would end up coming downstairs. And she's like, okay, dad. Um, and it always happened at night. And sometimes I'm like, did you just save these for bedtime so you could stay up later? But she'd come down and she'd be like, dad. I'm like, yeah. She goes, Molly's got a sliver. Okay, and you're like, well, what does that have to do with anything? Okay, well, here's what happened, is Molly would get a sliver, like in her foot, in her finger, wherever, and then she wouldn't tell anybody because she didn't want anybody to take it out. So she would just let it stay there. And you know what happens to slivers when you do nothing? Like, she would wait until it was pussy and green and swollen and nasty, and you're like, you have a sliver, and you go to look at it, and you're like... Oh, come on, why? She just would not say. And then we're like, we've got to take it out. And then the real fun would begin. Because Molly would be like, no! I pick her up and she's screaming, hitting, kicking. Like, just, just does not want to get. I come downstairs, I'm like, and Becca knows. She's like, oh, she's got a sliver. I'm like, yup. So I go get the tweezers. I go get what I need. Becca is there and there's this four-year-old that we're holding down on the table as she screams. If you walked by the house, you'd be like, oh, that's the sound of somebody being murdered. Like, I'm sure of it. You, I mean, I'm sure it was, it was soap. And then she's kicking. So you're trying to take a sliver out, and they're moving. Does that make it easier? No. In case you want, no. So she's kicking and screaming. We're, we're trying. Finally, we get the thing out, and she's like, oh, thing. and then we have to address the issue of all that the infection and everything else was there. But it was the thing that she, and it's like, if we had just taken care of that, it would have been fine. If you had just told me the first time, we could have plugged that out. And now she's almost 16 years old. And today, was it day or yesterday, I saw her and she's like, oh, I got something underneath my finger. And I was like, do you need help? She goes, no. <laughs> so she's still a little bit that way. But I think she's learned that even though you don't want it, you don't want to deal with it. If you don't, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. It gets worse. And 
when it comes to marriage, when it comes to our relationships, having a desire for it to be great isn't enough. It's not enough. Proverbs 21, 25 says this, despite their desire, the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work. They have the desire, but they're like, I'm, not, I'm just not willing to do it. I'm just not, I'm not willing to do what it takes. In marriages, they take work. So the question is, are you willing, are you willing to give your all? Are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to put the work in? Um, years ago, a couple, a couple came in for counseling. And, and so we, they sit down and, and they're like, hey, we're having some trouble. And I'm like, all right, well, what's going on? Let's, let's hear the story. And, and she, she says her side. And then I look at him and I said, and what, what do you have to say? And what, t- tell, me, tell me your side of this whole thing. And he's just like, I quit trying six months ago. And I'm like, I just look, I go, how's that working? He goes, it didn't get better. I didn't think it could get worse, and it did. I was like, oh, <laughs> that was the start. I know, I know, that was, that was the start. Um, you're like, well, of course, if you don't put in effort, it's not going to get better. Even a bad marriage, he found out, can get worse if you do nothing. If you're just like, oh, that's it, I'm just checking out of this thing. He's like, it was not great. So the question is, are we willing to put the time in? And really, um, if, if you're like me, if I want to put time into something, if I want to do something, I want to do it right or I don't want to do it. Like, like if I'm going to do it, let's do it right. And if I'm going to do a job, any job worth doing is worth buying a tool to do right. Yeah. I thought I'd get an amen off that one. I didn't. But anyways. Like, like, like okay, if we're going to do it, let's do it. And, and that means time together. Like, I don't want to just spend time together. I want, to, I want it to be awesome. I want it to be memorable. But here's something that really changed the way I look at us, Beck and I, spending time together, was realizing that some of the greatest dates, the time that we had together, wasn't because I planned some big elaborate thing and then pulled off, voila. It was because we just spent time together and some really cool stuff that I couldn't even have planned if I tried ended up happening. Uh, a couple months ago, we were kayaking because we like to kayak together. So we're going down the river and we're kayaking and, and it's, it's November, so the deer are chasing each other and they're all running around. So we're going down the river and we're going down really quiet. We're not even really talking because we're, we're seeing deer and they're popping. There's a deer over here. Deer over there. And it's kind of cool because we see the deer. Well, we come around a corner towards the end and, and we're just, just, just floating slowly down the river and I see this doe off to the side. And then right next to it, this buck stands up. So I look back at Becca, and she looks at me, and she's like, so we're just silently, we don't want to scare the thing away, like it's right there. And, and, and the buck kind of takes off to the side. Well, the doe jumps across the, the river and, and climbs up the other side. I'm like, oh, so cool. So we're sitting there, and I'm like, yeah, you saw that. She's like, I saw that. And we're saying, well, the buck looks and turns, and he sees, that the, he sees that the doe cross the river, and he's like, well, I want to be by her. So now it's probably from me to Becca. She's right here, the front row, away, and this buck comes and just jumps in the river right in front of me, just whoosh, and I'm like, yes, quietly, because you can't say it. I'm like, and it jumps in, and it's got to climb over this log, and it's getting over, and it's going to climb up this bank, and the bank's about yay high, six or seven feet high, and there's a fence on the top of the, of the bank, two, two elect- an electric fence, so two wires running around, I'm like, oh, he's going to get his horns caught in it, I'm like, this is going to be so cool, I'm going to watch it, and then he just, the buck just climbs up, puts his head underneath us, this weird thing, jumps up, makes it to the other side, and just disappears, 
look back at Becca, and she's like, I'm like, I know. It, so often, so often, we want something great. But so often, if we'll just spend the time together, what happens is we come across these like, oh wow, these great moments, these memories, these things, like we're going to remember that forever. That we, we couldn't have planned it, but we just, we happened to be somewhere when, when it happened. It just happened. And don't think that just because I can't do, just because you can't do, or you try to plan and it doesn't work, you can't do something great that you can't do anything. I would just encourage you, spend time together. What, what those things are, invest at whatever level you can instead of not investing because you can't do this voila, whatever thing. Whatever thing that would be, well, if I could, I would. No, do what you can where you are and then watch what happens. Watch what happens. Goals are great, but wanting a great marriage isn't enough. We have to decide what we're going to do and then we have to relentlessly remove what stands in the way. Relentlessly remove. I say relentlessly because it just keeps popping up. You remove one thing and another thing shows up. You're like, what in the world? Hebrews 12 says this, Hebrews 12:1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Now, it says something very interesting. There's two things. It says, one, let us throw off all the sin. And we're all like, yeah. Okay? If you're sinning, just stop. Welcome to church. I'm like, yeah, we don't do that. Stop. But then it says something different. It says, but throw off everything that hinders. You mean there's some stuff that's not really like wrong, but it's hindering my relationship with God? Yes. And guess what? There's things that not just, they're not wrong, they're not a sin, but they're hindering your relationship with your spouse. And the answer is, yeah. Um, for me, one of them, one of them when we got married, that was hindering our relationship was hunting. Not that it was bad. I, I would joke, but I was kind of serious that I was a really great husband 10 months out of the year. But then October and November came and I went hunting. But then I came back and it was great. And it was a joke, but it was, it was honestly, it was kind of true. And it got to be where it, it, it just wasn't good. And well, I'm, I'm hunting, but I want to be at home. And she wants me home. And, and, and it was just this, it, it was not good. It was a, a thing that's not bad. Hunting's great. The Bible says about Nimrod, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. And I'm like, that's my life verse. God, I want to be that. Like, this is great. It's not that hunting's bad, but, but it wasn't good. And honestly, I think one, one of the things that really changed that was, was many years ago, the day that um, I took Becca shopping um, on a date. We went shopping. Like, that's not a big deal. It's not, except we did it on November 15th. Now, some of you know what that means, but for those of you who do not know what that means, November 15 is the opening day of gun season. So if you've not already filled all your tickets, this is the best day to get out there and hunt because the next day the deer are all spooked because everybody and their brothers have been out in the woods and they've been shooting and missing and everything else and hitting and killing and hunting and dragging. And, and you're like, no, the 15th is the day. It is the day. Every say the 15th is the day. And that's the day we went shopping. 
I gave her that day. And she says, she says today that that was when she realized, and really that got taken out of, and she's like, okay, he loves me more than hunting. That's what it took. Now, the thing is, is I gave that up. But part of my fear was, is I'm going to lose this, something that I really love. Do I love her more? Yes. I 100% do. But I was like, okay, but can't I have both? Well, if I have to choose, I choose her. I'd do it again today. But then the crazy thing is, is, you know, we're, we spent many years looking for a house. We'd started the church in Allendale. We were living in Granville. We're like, okay, let's, let's move out here. Where, where can we live? And, and I remember we'd look at some houses, and I'd be like, hey, babe, what about this house? One of the first questions that she would ask was, well, can you hunt there? See, we lived in Granville on an acre and a half, and we couldn't hunt there. Not because it wasn't deer, because they have a silly thing, like no hunting in this, or trapping in the city of Wyoming. And so I'd be out hunting, and no lie, she sends me a picture of, I'm hunting turkey, and there's a turkey right outside my slider door. She's like, you're out there, look what's right here. Sends me a picture. I'm like, are you kidding me? Anyways, how much to get off on that, but it's, it's, it's true. So we couldn't hunt there. So what she does is she's like, hey, she said this over and over as I'd send her properties. Like, well, if you can't hunt there, I'm not interested. We finally did. And she's like, you know, we begin to look at a piece of property. And she's like, and here you can hunt. And now, now I think I probably hunt more now than I did then. Part of the reason is our kids are older than they were then. They, didn't need, they don't need quite as much. Now I'm like, hey, she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. She's like, what, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, well, I'm not really sure. Maybe I'll go. She's like, hunting? And I'm like, maybe. She's like, you probably should. I'm like, yes, I will. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sounds good. But we have fun with it. But she asks me. You know, this message, she asks me more. Hey, are you hunting? What's happening over here? What's going on? Um, it, it's really funny, but the thing that I tried to hold on to, it was when I finally was like, no, it's in the way. It's not where it needs to be. I'll get rid of it. That honestly, I get to do it more. I do it more now. And I don't know what it might be for you if it's the thing that's, it's, it in itself is not bad, but where it is, is it's, it's, it's not good for your relationship. It's bad for your marriage. It could be a job. It could be a screen, a phone. It could be a hobby, it could be golf, it could be shopping, it could be a habit. There's, a, there's so many things that it could be. Um, to tell on Becca, because she's not up here, um, one, of, one of hers years ago is uh, a relationship, a friend. Just a friend, but when she would go spend time with this friend, she would come back and she'd come back from spending time with this friend and it was like she'd come home and just be different for a while. Just like, just have this like, I don't know how to describe it except probably like, a, like, a, like an attitude that men were evil. Just, just all of them that just about men. And I'm like, this is so weird because that's not you and things are great, but it was consistent. Every time she'd go spend time with this woman, it didn't matter if they were going to coffee, if they were just, just going out for walks, whatever it was, she'd go, I'm like, I don't know what's on this woman, but it gets on you when you go over there. So we have this conversation and I'm like, it, it's not good. It's not good 
Um, and so I asked her, I'm like, I, she's, Beck's like, well, what do you want me to do? I said, I want you to stop being friends with this person. And Beck's like, well, what? what? And I'm like, yeah, um, just, just, just stop. And Beck goes, I don't see it. I, I, don't think that's, I don't think you're right. And I'm like, wait, is it so much easier when, when, when she thinks I'm right? But when she doesn't, it's not, it's like, well, uh. I'm like, no, please. And so she, honestly, she just submits. And just to honor me, she's like, okay. She's like, I think you're wrong, but I'll honor you anyways. And so um, she, she just breaks off this relationship. And it was maybe three weeks-ish later, um, Beck comes to me and she's like, you know, I didn't see it. She goes, but I do see it now. You're right. And I see it in the other people that she's hanging out with. And I see it in their relationships. She goes, I see the impact now. It wasn't that it was a bad thing. Relationships aren't bad. But when you're married, everything is co-owned and co-administered, including relationships. So our spouses, they get to help us with relationships and be like, hey, that, that one's not good. What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to, you're like, no, man, I, this, the, the bro code, like we're, we're good buddies. It's, woo, I can't undo that. It's like, no, you got married. You, you, you got married. If, if my spouse says, this is, that relationship is not good. It's when you hang out with them, you come back and it changes the way that you act. You respond, you treat me, you treat the kids, you turns you off to the things of God, you don't want to read, and it, it changes you, then, then we need to, just need to say, okay. So the question is, are you willing to give those things up? And you might say, well, what about their feelings? What about that, that, that person's feelings? Well, their, their feelings don't matter. Their feelings don't matter. Your relationship matters more. Does your relationship with your spouse matter more? And I'm not talking about trying to control everything that somebody else is doing, but when something comes into the relationship that is destructive, it's like, well, wait a second. I see what's happening. And, and, and remember, like, bad breath, I don't know I have bad breath. If I do know I have bad breath, I know it's really bad. Like when I recognize my own bad breath, that's usually when I can take like paint off the car. <sighs> like it's horrible. But our problems are the same. So often we don't recognize. It's everybody else is dying around us and we're like, I don't know, what's wrong? What's wrong? And like, oh, it's me. <sighs> we don't realize it. So we need to be open and letting people, letting our spouses help us. We need, and, and remember, we need, we need to, be open to it, and remember, there's no relationship. Like I said, there's no relationship that it wouldn't be work. We're going to have to put work in. Every time I talk on marriage, I mention this verse. You probably know exactly where I'm going if you've been here for a while, but it's 1 Corinthians 15.33. The latter part of the verse says this, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I, wanna, I, I want you to, to spare you this. I want to avoid that. So it's going to take work. Wanting a great marriage isn't enough to do it. It's not just going to be great because we want it to be great. There's no one that if we married, that would, it would just be perfect. Those who marry will have trouble. You're, you're not the exact same. We come from totally different worlds and we're coming together. And, and it's good that you're not the same because two people, that, if you're the exact same, one of you is necessary. 
So you're not the same. We have different backgrounds, different ideas. We're raised different. We see things different. We value different things. But together, man, it can be awesome. But we, we're, 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 just, we're just different. We come from things different. I told you, I, I grew up and I never saw, I never saw my parents argue, like ever. But my, my, my parents knew Spanish. So what I did see is they'd be talking and they'd be like, hey, and then all of a sudden, you know, they'd go from, I don't know about that, honey, to, and they just talk in Spanish. That was normal. So I never saw my mom disagree. They just talk Spanish. And I didn't know Spanish. Um, so we get married and Becca disagrees. And I'm like, you're broken. Like, what's wrong with you? What is going on? And she's like, I'm not broken. I'm right. And I was like, well, okay, what do I do? It was just, it was just different. It was different than the normal that I thought should be normal. And you guys are all laughing because you're like, that's not normal. But it was my normal. And there's some things in your life that your normals really aren't normal. It's just, what you, it's just normal to you. You're like, well, this is just what it should be. But for me, that was what I was like, oh, this, this is different. Because we come from different areas. Now, here's the thing. I don't know your story. I don't know how you met, like, like, was it love at first sight, or did you have to, like, convince her to go out with you? If, if, if like, she was dating someone already, and you were like, I'm going to pull her away, and we're going to do this, and, and I, I, I have no idea, and I don't, I don't know how, how the wedding was, and if the ceremony was perfect, or if you liked your dress, or you remember anybody that was there, and I don't know what the first years were like, or... If you're still in those first years and when the honeymoon was over in your mind or, or what it was, but I don't know the ins and outs of your, your relationship, but there's somebody who does. And that person is the person you're married to. Here's, here, here's where I'm going with that. And here's, here's what I mean. Um, what would happen if you were to go home and you were to ask your spouse, if you were to sit down, just the two of you, and you were to just say, hey, what? what's one way that I could love you better? I don't know what one thing would make the biggest difference in your marriage. I don't know what it is, but guess what? The person that does know what that is, is your spouse. They know what it is. They know. It might be that thing that they tell you and you're like, you're nagging me, but really it's not nagging because you just have been ignoring them. So it's really just repeating the same thing and you're just like, yeah, it hasn't sunk in yet. I don't, I don't know if it's that. I, I don't know if it's a, something that you need to stop or if it's something that you could start or maybe just the way that you change something. I don't know if it's a priority that just needs to be shifted but your spouse does. And so what I want to do today is just to invite you to maybe just give you some homework to ask your spouse to get some time and to just say, what is it that I could do? Because just wanting a great marriage isn't going to do it. But what I am willing to do is to ask, be gentle, but I'm willing to ask because I want to get better. And if I've got an issue that's one of those bad breath issues that I don't recognize, but you do, will you, will you, will you tell me? Because I want to make it better and I want to do it right.
I want it to be great. I want to ask. You know, Proverbs says this. It says this in Proverbs 9. It says, do not rebuke a mocker, a fool, or they'll hate you. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. What I just asked you to do isn't easy. It's not easy at all. Because, partially because, there's nobody that can hurt me like Becca. There's nobody who can, with just one single word, tear down and destroy my world like Becca can. Becca's my wife, in case you don't know. Like, like she, she's the one that can. She's the one that knows my secrets. She's the one that I don't wear any armor around. That it's just me and her, and this is what I'm dealing with, and this is what says. She knows what nobody else knows. She sees me like nobody else sees me, but she has the power to hurt me like nobody else. So I would say this is number one. You do this. Number one is the Bible says, speak the truth in love. So if you're the one being asked, is you be careful. Be careful. Because somebody else might say it, and it just like bounce right off of them, but you say the exact same words, and you have the power to hurt so much more, so much more. So number one, if you're the one saying it, be careful. But number two, if you're the one hearing it, here's what God's word says. It says, a fool, don't even, don't even bother telling a fool, teaching a fool, instructing a fool, because they're going to hate you for it. But if you instruct the wise, if you instruct the wise, they become wiser and they learn. So if, if, if we're going to do this, choose how you're going to respond. Am I going to respond as a fool and just get mad and upset? Or are you going to be like, you know what, I'm going to choose to, it might hurt, it, it might hurt. But I'm going to realize you're doing this because you want this, you want our relationship to grow, you want it to be better. Psalm says, says this, Psalms 141, verse 5 says, let a righteous man strike me. That is kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. It's talking about somebody who wants the best for you. And it's like the correction might hurt. Let him, he says, let him strike me. But that rebuke, that rebuke is there to help me and to help me grow, to help me to get better. And if we'll assume that posture with our spouses and be like, no, I'm serious. How can I love you better? What is it that I can do? And just start with one. Okay, ladies, we're really good at remembering one thing. Okay, not two, not one and a half. Just start with one. Don't unload. Okay, just be like here's here's one. We'll learn that trick, and then and then we can learn another one. But 15, 20 years, and maybe 15, 20 tricks later, it's just going to be better and better and better. If we're just, you know what, I can make this, but choose the attitude that you're going to have. Realize, God, it is the fool who hates to be corrected. But the wise understand that correction is the way of life. Who's the best ever at the first time they try anything? Nobody. Nobody. I've only been married once, and I'm still, it's been 18, 17? How long has it been? 
Hey, she's hesitating too. She's hesitating too. It's been 18 years. We're getting better at it, but I'm not great yet, but we're going to get better. But I want to get better with her. We're going to figure this out. When I make mistakes, we're going to pause and we're going to grow and to follow what God has for us. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And, and really what that's talking about is that's talking about that correction that you get that it hurts hearing it, but you're like, no, I needed it. I, we need to fix this. Yes, this was in the wrong place. Thank you for telling me that this relationship is, is dragging, that I'm putting too much work over here, that this isn't. Yeah, I'll do something about it. I'll, I'll change something. It hurts to hear it, but I can grow and I can do better. So the question is not how great of a marriage do you want? It's what are you willing to do? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to love? Are you willing to learn, to change and get better, to lay down the things that are important to you and to serve each other? Here's what marriage is. In case, and I, I, in case you did not know, marriage is a predecision on how you will treat somebody regardless of how they treat you. That's what marriage is. You stand in front of, in front of all your friends and family and you say, and you vow, and here's what you're doing, whether you realize it or not, you said, I will. Whether they get it right or not, I will forgive. Whether they reciprocate or not, whether they treat me the way I think I deserve or not, I'm gonna lay down my life and I'll love, I'll cherish, I'll protect. That, that's what we're doing. It's not whether they get it right or not. If you're waiting for your spouse to get it right, you'll probably be waiting a really long time. Don't wait any longer. Just do your part. Marriage is a pre-decision. I will treat you this for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, for skinnier, for fatter, whatever it is. Like, this is what it is. In sickness and in health. It's not if it's good. It's here we go, and it's walking hand in hand together. Wanting a great marriage is wonderful, but desire does not accomplish anything. What are you willing to do? Are you willing to say, I'm sorry? I did that wrong. I'm sorry that those years have gone by. I'm sorry that it's been this. And don't settle. I don't care if it's five years or 50 years that you've been married. Don't, don't get, don't buy the lie that, well, this, our ship has sailed and it is, our marriage is what it is now. You know, we're just like a worn out pair of boots and we've got some holes, but we're still cruising. No. No, choose to honor God in your relationship. Don't believe the lie that the world has told over and over, which is you can be single and lonely or married and bored. That's not what it's meant to be. <laughs> marriage is a gift from God. God says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. Marriage done God's way, is it easy? No. Is it great? Yes. It's awesome. It's the best. It's like no other relationship on earth. Marriage is the closest thing to heaven that you're going to experience until you get to heaven. But that same potential means that when we don't do it God's way, it can be the closest thing to hell you can experience without going to hell but it doesn't have to be. 
But if we honor God and say, God, I'm going to do this your way. I'm not just going to desire for it to be great, but I'm going to study. I'm going to know what your word says. I'm going to be able to admit that I'm wrong and I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. When, I, when, when I'm corrected, I'm going to receive it. God, I want what you have for me. Jeremiah 29, 11, all the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God did not look at Adam in the garden and say, well, he's having too much fun. I know what he needs. He needs a wife. He did not do that. He said, it is not good for man to be alone unless you are called, and there is a calling in God's word, to remain unmarried. Chances are you will get married. Very, you may be. There are. You can, you can fulfill God's call on your life without being married. If you are divorced, you can still fulfill calls, God's call on your life. You do not have to be married. But for most people, they'll end up getting married. So then let's decide to do it God's way and make it great. Because God has a plan for you and it's good. And marriage is meant to be good. So don't settle. Don't settle for just living together. Let's make it great. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we close this morning, I just want to ask. I want to make sure that everybody here, that you know where you're standing with God. You know, as we, as we close out, just because, just because you're here, I don't want to assume that you know where you stand with God because you can come to church once, twice, a thousand times. But Jesus says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, if you confess, if you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd love the honor of leading you in that prayer this morning. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. When you lift your hand, you're saying, God, I want to be set free. I want to be yours. And God, today I make you the Lord of my life. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, get ready to shoot your hand up super high, all the way. One, two, three. Right now, raise it up and say, that's me. Today is my day. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Today is the day I give my heart and my life. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Say, pray with me. All right, hands down. Everybody, let's just pray this prayer out loud with those that lifted their hands and those that lifted your hands. As you say these words, you make them your own. God's gonna meet you right in your seat. And when you say amen, you're gonna be forgiven, set free, a part of his kingdom and get the opportunity to begin to walk out the plan and purpose that God has for you. Everybody out loud, let's say these words together. Everybody say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. Today, I make you the Lord of my life. I believe that you lived, shed your blood so that I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. Devil, you lost me. Today, oh God, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.